Welcome to the Illinois Soy Podcast. Enjoy. Today, I'm speaking with Randy Niver, a 2020 CCA soy envoy and technical agronomist for Asgro DeKalb in East Central Illinois. In that role, Randy works closely with dealers and sellers to make product and placement recommendations for their growers. He also raises corn, soybeans, wheat, forages, and livestock with his family on a small family farm. Welcome to the podcast today, Randy. Thank you very much. All right, 2020 has been sort of a crazy year, hasn't it? Yes, I. we always said that uh, end of last year, end of 2019, that there couldn't be a more crazy year. And then 2020 came around and said, uh, not just yet. I know, right? <laughs> give, give me a chance to one-up you because it certainly has tried. Certainly has, hasn't it? Yeah. So with all of that, how are soybeans looking in your area of the world? Are there going to be combines rolling out soon? Yes, things actually got started around uh, the beginning parts of last week. So, you know, a lot of the early beans that were planted, early beans early, so early maturity for the area, uh, for my area is anywhere from a 2.7 to a 2.9. They got started last week and, and they were okay. They weren't uh, fantastic, but uh, with the year that we had, they were still pretty darn good. Um, but so far, mm-hmm. from what I've been seeing and hearing, uh, the low low to mid seventies is hitting those early group or late group twos, and those were planted early for the area as well. So the idea being giving growers an opportunity to get started, um, maybe uh, uh, get combine set before getting into other other beans or uh, mm-hmm. moving uh, too far away from the shop where they can get a lot of uh, uh, maintenance done if something happens when they get started. So those have been looking okay. Sure. But uh, um, I, I think the the stress that we went through early on really took a, its toll on, on the top end yield potential. Mm, yes, for sure. Well, that is great to hear that uh, soybeans are being harvested in your part of Illinois and that uh, the combines are rolling. The latest numbers from the USDA actually show that 73% of soybeans across the state are um, changing color and turning yellow, uh, with 56% of those in good condition. And certainly that number is impacted by the stressful conditions that soybeans faced early in the season. But there are also other factors um, that may have impacted those numbers over the course of the full season. So on the podcast today, we're going to be taking a look at what those factors may be, how they have impacted the crop, how maybe the crop would have matured differently if uh, those factors had not been the case, and also what to take with us from 2020 into the 2021 growing season. So starting at the beginning with planting date, many farmers across the state had a much better planting season this year than they have had the last few years. So how did this impact the crop? Did it have an effect this year? Um, And what were those planting conditions like? It did. So it was it was very interesting. We had some really nice conditions early, um, like around April 7th uh, type of type of window April 7th to 10th or and and that was a really nice conditions to get started it was the forecast wasn't looking great because it was looking cool but the soil conditions were fantastic uh the weather at the time was nice um and then we got another little break um and that well we got a little bit of shower right uh soon after that that 
seven, eight, ninth window. And then mm-hmm. uh, we got another window of, of planting that turned out to be uh, really good soil conditions as well um, around that 14th to to 16th and then again a week after that so i mean there were three windows in in april that we had a really nice uh really nice conditions to plan into uh the the thing that was a little scary was you know the the temperatures uh, and the forecast weren't really creeping up that much so because of that uh we had some soybeans that sat in the ground for four or five weeks at and in some cases so you know that that um that cold soils just really did not uh, do those those beans any favors to to the early planting so they they effectively in my opinion they were just like they were planted in in early may because they sat in the ground for so long um but you know a, a majority of those had some pretty decent stands and and come up pretty nice and has some nice early vigor but uh there were a decent amount of areas that had so much rain along with it along with that cold that, uh, you know, there's some vast amount of replants and, and that's going to really slow down harvest, uh, due to, uh, some, some sections of a field being mature and ready. And the other ones are going to be as green as a gourd. So it's going to be harvesting around and then leaving to go to another field and coming back to finish up. So that's going to be a little bit of a challenge this, this fall. Um, but you know, the, the stuff that was planted early that did get emerged, we had, you know, we thought we were doing really well, right? I mean, it come up out of the ground. They look nice. Um, you know, girls like, I'm really happy with this. I finally got an opportunity to get some really planted beans in. And then around that May, I believe it was like mm-hmm. May 9th. Mother's Day weekend. We had a frost. Yeah, it's like, what's going on here? We had a frost on, on in, in May. Yeah. <laughs> um, you know, well past our frost-free date by almost three weeks so uh that really threw off a lot of growers and and uh, i started walking a lot of fields looking at frost damage and some were okay um and and some were just really toasted and and had to get replanted and and depending on the plantings the plant size and the type of tillage that was done uh really made a difference Mm -hmm. so the lower spots obviously were were a lot more impacted than the the hilltops uh but also um you know the the stuff that was conventional tilled uh had a little bit more of a of a buffer uh, uh with heat right along the soil line so if the plants were small enough they they were somewhat uh um salvaged from from that little heat layer right along the soil line. Uh, but if they were just tall enough and get out of that little heat buffer, they would get crinkled up and, and uh, got a little yeah. toasty. So yeah, we saw a few different uh, cases like that. And then also, you know, no-till took a little bit harder because that soil temperature buffer wasn't there. Uh, it was cooler soil and, and the sun, you know, radiating uh, off that soil during the day did not warm it up near as uh, near as much so the those those beans were a little bit more impacted from that frost because yeah. of that you think the the beans were able to grow out of that early frost and and recover or um that really impact you know the crop where we are today 
Yeah, and in some cases they did. Some cases they had no issue whatsoever, and they come right out of it and and grew through it. And then um, other cases, there was, uh, like I said, just the low spots was really the only thing that was impacted. And then there were also whole fields that needed to be uh, replanted. So uh, if it could happen this year, it's (laughs) happened. So um, every, every scenario that you could think of, um, I think 2020 said, okay, let's, let's go with yeah, it. We'll try it. Yeah. Including a dry <laughs> June, right? So we, we had that cold May and followed it up with a dry June and yeah. Yeah. So, um, for, for many parts of my, my area, so I cover East central Illinois and, um, many parts of my area in June had less than a half an inch of rain for the whole month. So, uh, you know, that's, that's a pretty, pretty big deal once they, you know, they, they had a plenty of moisture early uh, from, from the rains that we were getting. And, you know, for the most part, pretty timely rains. Uh, the cold weather made it a bigger issue than the amount of rain we were getting, I think. Um, mm. But uh, uh, when June hit, it, it shut off and then, um, you know, it slowed down growth and root growth again. And then July, we got some pretty decent rains. Um, you know, probably I'd say three inches or so in, in many cases, three to four inches uh, for the month of July. And and then uh, uh, it, it got pretty warm too. So, I mean, with the moisture mm-hmm. and the heat, you know, things were, were growing pretty, pretty well and, and, and start, started the canopy because, you know, it was so, uh, so dry in June that a lot of stuff uh, really did not canopy very quickly um, because of, well, it was cold and wet early, so things weren't growing fast. Mm-hmm. And then it got dry, so things weren't growing fast. Um, but then yeah. uh, July, we got some heat and some moisture, and things started to canopy finally, uh, which kind of brought some other other issues along with weed control. A lot of Mm-hmm. A lot of our pre-emerge and, and residual herbicides either had too much water and they were um, they were gone, or they didn't have enough water and they didn't uh, get in soil solution and, and do their job uh, in June. So uh, we've had a lot of weed escapes this year uh, due to the total extremes that we had, and it totally depended on on application timing and the amount of moisture and, and conditions we had soon after that application. Um, so that's another challenge that we've been facing this year is the amount of, of not just, uh, uh, not just water hemp, but also, um, you know, some of our bigger seeded broadleaves that we know we don't have an issue controlling like uh, buttonweed or, or, or velvet leaf. Um, and also, also some of the, uh, uh, ragweeds that we've we normally don't have too much of an issue controlling uh, this year it's been a challenge so it, it's been it's been all kinds of issues uh, from one thing to another and and just as uh, uh, it seemed like just as things were going well I'd get a call and say you know this was looking so good but then this happened <laughs> so it, it kind of set set things back some but um and then, like I said, in July, we got some good heat and good moisture and things seemed to be going pretty well. And then, um, you know, we started seeing um, it, it, that rain to taper off and go away. And, and August turned hot and dry and we, we had almost no rain in August. And that really, um, I think, hurt a lot of the 
um, a lot of the podville and especially in the lower canopy when it was real prime filling conditions or filling timing it, it just did not have an opportunity to to fill those pods like um, like they normally would uh, the tops uh, starting to look a lot better um, depending on on when they were planted the 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 pod fill at the top looked really good the later planted beans uh, like the early june stuff the replant beans uh, or even first planting that were later look really good because <clears throat> excuse me when uh, when they're starting to fill they're near the end of, of August, we started getting rains and, and they, they started filling out those tops real nice. So they, they're starting to look pretty decent again. So it's it's all about timing mm -hmm. this year. And, and if we had a, a opportunity to, to see what the future held, uh, I think we would have changed a lot of decisions this year and, and maybe uh, did something a little bit earlier or held off on, on something, but um, you know, just not knowing we do what we can with what we know at the time and, and uh, hope that it works out. Yeah, that is a, definitely the, um, the, the key there, right? If we, if we knew the future, yes. <laughs> things would be a lot better. Um, we talked about, you know, some escaped weeds. Uh, were there any diseases or pests this year that um, negatively impacted the, the crop that we maybe wouldn't have expected if the, uh, weather had been different. Yeah, so we we've seen a, a decent amount of of disease across the board. So planting early, we normally expect that there's an opportunity for SDS, and sure, sure enough, that uh, mm -hmm. SDS um, showed up this year in a lot of those early plantings. What we normally don't expect is SDS to show up in June planted soybeans. But guess what showed up in June planted soybeans? SDS. It's like, where is this coming from? And 2020, again, is saying, just hold on. I'm not done yet. Because uh, <laughs> um, not only did we see SDS, we saw brown stem rot, which is, you know, they look very similar in the, the leaf symptomology. And, um, you know, splitting some stems, we, sure enough, we there's some brown stem rot there. Um, and, and then working with the University of Illinois, uh, they, they said, well, you know, don't just look at that. There's another condition um, and another symptom you need to look at. And if you look at the base of the plant on the outside, if it's red, we need to look at it as a potential different disease called uh, red crown rot. And that's something we've never really experienced, uh, at least that I know of in here in East Central Illinois, so you know it's it's another new disease that 2020 mm -hmm. is saying, oh, there's more. It's coming. Just wait. So it it um, just just between those three right there, they look so similar um, until you get down into the nitty gritty to find the differences. And we've seen all three of those in in many different areas of of East Central Illinois, especially. Uh, and talking to my colleagues, it's been all over, all over the state, really. So it's been a tough challenge with those three diseases this year. And, and you know, even with trying to control it with seed treatments like Oliva or, or Saltro, they, they seem to, to not hold up to the amount of pressure that we've had this year. So, I mean, even with seed treatments this year, it, it's been enough pressure that uh, there's still some instance of disease even in those fields. Now, granted, they may not be near as, as bad as what they could have been, but the pressure was high enough that it's still there. So, you know, that was something that we saw that was interesting. And then also, uh, as far south as 
Southern Champaign County and Northern Douglas County, I saw plenty of instances of white mold this year, which normally we do not see in this far south. But uh, white mold show, was showing up and, and had some some dead plants uh, at, from, from June planted beans even. So they were thick enough and it was cool and wet enough that uh, we had plenty of opportunity for white mold development during that uh, uh, flowering process. So, you know, that uh, mm-hmm. was another thing that we were surprised about that we normally do not expect to see that type of instance in, in my geography, especially the southern part of my geography. And then, uh, you know, so we, we got through most of those diseases and, and saw a decent amount of it. And um, onto the insect sides of it. Um, yeah. You know, we normally see bean leaf beetle uh, every year, and you know it's something that we anticipate spraying for uh, during our R three application of fungicide as well. You know, we just go ahead and throw some uh, uh, some insecticide in there for the most part to to help control those bean leaf beetles. And the growers that do that pretty regularly, you know, did it again this year and and had some pretty decent control on it. And then about three four weeks later. I start getting phone calls like, have you been seeing some bean leaf beetle? And I, I said, well, yeah, there's been a little bit out there. And they said, well, why don't you come look at this field for me? Mm-hmm. So I go up and, and take a look at their field and it's, it's getting chewed on pretty good. And the bean leaf beetles were starting to move to the pods because uh, it's late enough that, that pods have been developed and um, are still green and, and tasty to those bean leaf beetles. And it's like, well, did you spray this field? And the grower said, yeah, I sprayed it at R3. And this is about R6 when uh, we start getting this feeding. So uh, they came on a lot later again this year from when we normally see them. So it's been, uh, you know, all new aspects as what of, of, insects as well and and you know an instance where we normally control uh an insect like bean leaf beetle at the r3 application they came in later as well so uh we had to make multiple applications of insecticide in some fields or a late application of insecticide when when growers normally don't so uh, you know that was another aspect of 2020 that uh, was a was an anomaly, and I think uh, a lot of people were able to get out there and scout and see them uh, from communications that you know not just me but other agronomists uh, uh, were able to have uh, you know through social media or direct communication, and and I think that helped save a, a lot of uh, potential damage. Yeah. A very, very interesting year for sure. Um, and I know you mentioned about how timing was really, um, you know, if you, if you hit the timing, right, you know, you're probably doing okay. And if you didn't, there might've been some things you wish you'd done differently. So speaking of, um, management practices, what is the, the one thing that, um, uh, someone in your area or a grower has done that you're like, that has been kind of the best decision that they could have made for this year's crop? Yeah, the um, so that's it's difficult to pick just one thing, um, but you know, looking at the, all those different aspects, making the decision. Uh, since I was just talking about the bean leaf beetle, making the decision to go ahead and spray um, that second application or that late application of insecticide, I think was a very good decision that that really helped out um, and and potentially could have saved uh, quite a bit of not just. Um, yield, but quality of of seed as well, so quality of grain. Yeah. So, 
uh, I think that's something that's really going to uh, show up and make a, a big difference, but also um, overlapping residuals for herbicides. So not just mm -hmm. uh, um, not just waiting for weeds to come in and, and trying to spray because uh, for, for some instances where um, that attempt was tried to be made, it just did not work out because you couldn't get into the field because it was too wet or, or whatever, um, something kept them out of the field from trying to make that timely application. And we saw a lot more weed escapes from that because, um, especially with water hemp, once it gets started to grow, it's very hard to control. So if we can control it when it's super small or still in the ground, then we have a much better success. And for growers that were able to do that, um, it looks fantastic. Their fields look great. Uh, and there are some clean mm -hmm. fields out there and kudos to those that were able to do that because it, um, when I go around, uh, looking at those fields, they, they really do look, look great. So that, that's something that really made a difference. And yeah, I think planting timing was, you know, it was, it was a tough decision in some cases because of the forecast, but those that were able to to get planted uh, in in a timely fashion, I think they they turned out pretty good, and they look really good. And it's just one of those things where you just never know which window is going to be the right one. And do you go hard early, or do you do just a little bit, and then you know try to get picked back up again a little bit later? But uh, again, some of these early soybeans still look really really good. Yeah, yeah, that's. That's definitely true. You, you don't know necessarily if you'll get another window. So um, that's definitely a hard decision to make. Uh, and, and retrospect is definitely also, uh, you know, hindsight is twenty twenty, right? In, in 2020. <laughs> yep. Yeah. And, and, you know, in football, we always say, well, you can, you can Monday morning quarterback the weekend all to death and, and wish you could have done something a little bit differently. And I think 2020, I think we have an instance like that for everything. We could have done this a little bit different. We could have done this a little bit different, or if the weather would have done this, it would have been different. And I think that's probably the bigger communication right there is that if the weather would have cooperated just a little bit differently, we would have had a, all different results. And in many instances, it's, it's no fault to the grower it's no fault to the variety it's no fault to the um, applicator or anybody running the equipment it's just the weather said you know what I'm not going to participate in, in your plan <laughs> this year and I'm going to have my own plan and uh, that makes things a little bit more frustrating a little bit more difficult when you do the right thing and it still doesn't work out so because yeah. of that anything that was tried in 2020 I don't think you should walk away from um, if this was the first time you tried something new I think it'd be worth trying again in 2021 because just because it didn't work out right in 2020 doesn't mean it's not going to work in 2021 given different situations and different conditions. So, um, you know, that's what we learned in 2020. I don't think you should throw out, but I think you should also um, try to duplicate or replicate in 2021 to see if there are different results and then make future decisions from that. Yeah. Yeah. I think that's a, that's a great point, especially when, you know, you're looking at those on-farm trials and, and a lot of decisions being made from, um, you know, what, what you're trying on your own farm and, you know, always taking those results with a little bit of grain of salt. 
Exactly. And it's, it's hard to do, um, you know, because we have such short memories. Sometimes we, we remember mm-hmm. what happened lately and don't want to, don't want to duplicate a, a, a bad outcome, um, if you will. And, you know, it's, it's maybe not necessarily the fault of, of the product or, or uh, the practice. It's just, the timing or or the conditions that happen soon after uh so yeah i I think if we try it again in 2021 and and we see a same uh same or similar result then maybe walk away from it or try something different but um you know from 2020 i think we should take a lot of that information with a grain of salt and try it again and then make decisions from there great well, we've covered a lot of ground here um, from from weather to uh, the planting trials or in, in trials in general. So any any last thoughts on the 2020 season, Randy, or are we going to move on into 2021 here? I am ready to move on to 2021. I think a lot of people are. And I think we said that about 2019 too. But yep. you know, when 2020 started, a lot of people weren't ready for it to be over before we even got the planting uh, with all the, the, uh, the things that we're going through as a, as a, you know, not just a nation, but globally, it's been, it's been a difficult year with things going on. But I think, mm-hmm. uh, you know, with harvest starting, just remember, stay patient, stay safe, Try not to take shortcuts to try to get th- something done a little bit quicker. Um, slow down a little bit and you know do the right thing and and try to be safe as as you can and and not cut any corners uh, just for the, just for that. And you know I, I have a feeling that uh, harvest is going to be drawn out just like planting was. Uh, like I said earlier, with having to harvest around areas uh, and and leave fields and come back to to finish later. So. You know, with that being said, it's, you know, there's going to be some shorter patience at times and remember that and try to, to just uh, keep a smile on your face and, and if you can make somebody else's day better. And that's probably something to keep in mind that I think will help harvest go a little bit smoother for 2020 moving into 2021. Excellent. Yes. Yeah. Definitely a great reminder there, Randy. That's all the time that we have today. So thanks for sharing your thoughts and coming on the podcast. Yeah, thanks a lot for having me. And and, uh, again, have a safe and prosperous fall. Again, that was Randy Niver, 2020 CCA Soy Envoy, taking a look back at this year's soybean season. If you are interested in this topic and many more soybean management resources, you can visit www.illsoyadvisor.com. That's ilsoyadvisor.com to learn more. This has been an Ilsoy Advisor podcast. Thanks for tuning in.